to another edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this episode of the podcast, we're speaking with another one of our new faculty members here at the law school, visiting Assistant Professor of Law, Victoria Esposito. We'll speak with her in just a moment before we do. Reminders that we always do at the top of the show. If you like this episode of the podcast, you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Make sure you follow us on each of those platforms. That's where you get the day-to-day information about everything going on here at Albany Law School. And of course, COVID-19 is still out there, so make sure you're up to date on all of our policies and procedures. That's at albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. All right, let's talk with Professor Esposito. Back here on the Albany Law School podcast with another one of our brand new faculty, a visiting assistant professor of law, Victoria Esposito. Uh, professor Esposito, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a delight to be here. And even though you're new here, the semester is not. We've been doing this for a couple of weeks now, probably about halfway through when this is hitting the airtime. We're recording kind of about three quarters of the way through October. But how has it been going so far in the classroom? I guess you really have to ask the students that, right? But from my perspective, it feels good. It feels like things are going well. My students are delightful. I'm, I'm very happy to be back in the classroom. I will say that as we wrap up midterms, everyone's looked a little bit shell-shocked the last couple of weeks. I had forgotten about that part of law school, but I think everyone has gotten through it well. Yeah, test time. Always a very challenging time. That's usually, if, if anybody's been following along the podcast for years, you kind of see a cadence of the academic year. We start off with students, then midterm, usually <laughs> faculty and alumni, then we go back to the students for a little while. I guess it leads me to, to something here, though, that you're just starting out with us like we, like we mentioned before, but why Albany Law School? Why do you want to join the faculty here? Well, I have a number of longstanding relationships uh, with, with Albany Law. At, in my former jobs, I've worked with law students, I've worked with the professors, I've done a lot of coordination with various clinics and that nature of thing. And when the lawyering position came up, it seemed like a very good fit for me. Lawyer, introduction to lawyering encompasses research, writing, uh, professionalism, ethics, basically the, the building blocks that these students will use to become lawyers in full. And it, it struck me as, A, very similar to what I was already teaching new attorneys in my, in my former jobs. But also, B, it seemed that I would have time to teach in a little bit more intentional and leisurely way. And, and I jumped at that chance, honestly. And you mentioned that introduction to lawyering class there. It, it seems like such a I don't know, like an entry level or rudimentary, maybe that's the wrong word, but why is it so important? Why is it so important for law students to get that base of introduction to lawyering right out of the gate when they get here? Full transparency here. One of my undergraduate degrees is in English, but so I think that writing is foundational to almost any job because you can't, if you can't communicate your ideas, it doesn't matter how good you are at the job. I think that goes double for lawyering. You may have one shot to convince the judge 
that you're right. You may have one shot to convince the partner that you should take the case. And that is going to flow all through their careers. It is frankly one of the things that I have seen very new attorneys struggle with the most. So I think that it's important to start our students thinking about that as early as possible. I also think that research flows right along with that because in addition to being able to present your ideas and and arguments professionally, you need to be able to back them up with the law. So those two things go hand in hand. And I'm also working to, as are all my colleagues, to make sure that our students understand what will be expected of them as attorneys. So they're reading, you know, cases about sanctions, cases about attorneys who have not done due diligence before bringing cases. Um, They're also getting a very slight grounding in client interviewing. They won't need that yet. But if I introduce it now, then if they, when they do their clinics or their internships, it won't be as foreign. It will at least be a little bit familiar. So these are all things that they'll build on through their summer internships, through their field placements, and I hope in their jobs. And we've been focusing on what you're working on now here with us at Albany Law, Mm -hmm. but I did want to take a step back before you joined us. I saw that you were the first advocacy director of the Legal Aid Society of Northeastern New York, and we work with that organization here through the law school quite a bit. But what was that position? What were some of the big projects you worked on when you were there? Oh, gosh. So the short version is that my job was to identify systemic problems throughout our service area. So that that covered from basically the Canadian border down as far south as Columbia and Green counties and as far west as Schoharie County is, is where I worked. And I would identify issues that either did or could possibly affect a large number of low-income people. So some of the, the things that I've worked on include any number of federal disability appeals, because those, of course, can make law. Just recently, together with a colleague from Legal Aid, who is now also at the law school, David Crossman, we got what I believe is a landmark decision in the third department that code enforcement offices can be assessed attorney's fees when they act improperly. A lot of housing cases a lot of housing cases and several code enforcement cases, the nature of things that that low-income people have to deal with on a daily basis. And uh, David Crossman working now in our Justice Center here at Albany Law, and usually that's where the crossover is. For those listening at home, the crossover typically ends up the, the Justice Center through their clinics work with Legal Aid Society on a variety of projects. Now, beyond even those that you described there, I also saw you did some work with our own Professor David Pratt, David Pratt Institution of Albany Law School. Can you walk us through those projects? Of course. Um, Professor Pratt and I actually met originally through a a case that we are both still working on, the the St. Clair's pension case. That involved a a group of pensioners who were employed by a now defunct Catholic hospital in Schenectady, New York who were entitled to pensions and whose pensions were abruptly stopped almost exactly four years ago now. Uh, They came to Professor Pratt for help. I ultimately wound up on the case together with a number of colleagues from Brooklyn Legal Services and AARP. Again, that case is ongoing. We're still in litigation, and I'm delighted to be able to, to work on that. Additionally, Professor Pratt and I together write a, a treatise on Social Security and Medicare, which he kindly brought me in to co-author Oh, about two and a half years ago, and which has been so much fun to work on. 
aside from that, of course, Professor Pratt and I have become close friends. He's my faculty mentor, and he and my husband have the same hometown in England, so it was clearly meant to be. Meant to be. <laughs> Serendipity stepping in there. That's great. Uh, and if you want to find more about uh, not just Professor Esposito, but Professor Pratt, the Justice Center, you can check the show notes for this episode of the podcast. We'll have links there. So you can just click through and read more about everybody. You've, you've mentioned a couple of things here as we've been talking, though, cases on disability, eviction and housing, family law. So I'm sure foreclosure works into those property cases. Why were you drawn to these areas of practice? I guess the short answer is because there is such a need. I started at Legal Aid back in 2011 doing disability work, so Social Security and Supplemental Security Income hearings. And you don't honestly realize it, if you've been fortunate enough not to need disability payments, you don't really realize how difficult the system is to navigate and and how broken the system is, especially for people who don't have resources, who aren't healthy, who may not have transportation. And the more you look around, the more you realize, oh, that's not just in this area, that's in these other areas. So that's how I started realizing, oh, I'm doing disability now, but there's also this huge need for eviction. And, oh, wait, people are getting foreclosed on because they've lost their jobs. And, and oh, wait, there's this other area. So it built on everything built on everything else, if that makes sense, Ben. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We hear that all the time for when we talk to mm-hmm. alumni out in the field or other faculty that, oh, I thought I was going to do one thing. I was going down this path and I did one project and look where I am now. Uh, we hear it, we hear it a lot. And I guess, I guess at least my next thing that I wanted to, to ask you about going beyond even your work with legal aid is you spent some time in the district attorney's office in St. Lawrence County. Now that they call that Canada South around here, I think, <laughs> but St. Lawrence County is pretty far up North uh, for those who don't know geography in New York. But I know we have a lot of students who are into criminal law or interested at least, or have at least come to law school with the idea of criminal law. It's such a pop culture, movies and TV kind of area. But what'd you work on when you were in the district attorney's office uh, up there in St. Lawrence? Oh gosh, what didn't I work on up there? It's a fairly small, uh, as you say, it's, it's, it's essentially Canada. I could be from my house in Canton, New York, where I lived to Canada in 20 minutes flat, not without speeding. So it's, it's way up there. It's very rural. So the people up there have a, a lot of problems, as, as you can imagine. What And the DA's office up there is, again, fairly, short, fairly shortly staffed, short-staffed, excuse me, as you can imagine. So over the course of my four years there, I worked on traffic tickets. I would go to night court and do trials on traffic tickets. I did misdemeanor trials. I did some felonies primarily, but not exclusively sex crimes. And then for my last two years there, I was the appellate prosecutor. So that's actually when I first started coming to Albany with any regularity. I'd come down and argue cases before the third department. And I learned from everything. I am grateful for my time there. I really love doing appeals. And that's something that I brought with me to legal aid. Now, one thing that we also really need to talk about here, because I, I think this is so interesting as somebody 
who was a teacher, I was an English teacher, a high school English teacher in a past life before my life became <laughs> the Albany Law School experience, of course. But this isn't your first stint teaching either. Can you tell us more about your work uh, with SUNY Canton, again, what, up north? And then also you taught in China, correct? I taught primarily online in China. I, I, I have been to China. I did go as a teacher. And I have to say, for the teachers who are listening to this, if you ever want to be treated as a rock star, go to China. <laughs> the, the level of respect to, to teachers was, was amazing to me. But I taught at SUNY Canton, I have to stop and think, for, oh gosh, several years. And I, I taught pretty much the full panoply of writing and law-related things. So I taught English. I taught a couple different freshman Englishes. I taught essentially English for police officers, which was slightly different, as you can imagine. I taught political science. That's what I also taught to my Chinese students, which was an experience, as you can imagine, teaching an online course for Chinese students on the American political system. I felt I had to navigate a lot. Um, They were wonderful. My, My students were. I taught constitutional law. I taught criminal law. I taught environmental law. I may be missing something, but you, you can see it's that little cluster of writing and legal courses that I, that I worked on. And it, it was fun. I enjoyed teaching. I'm glad to be back in the classroom, albeit at a, a very different level. Well, we're excited to have you here. And as we've said with many of the new faculty on board, it, it, it's a nice change of pace because we see where we've heard from a lot of faces that I've been here for a little while, but it's always great to have new people, new ideas come into our buildings. And hopefully this is just the start of your time with us here at Albany mm-hmm. Law. But what are you looking forward to maybe for the rest of this semester, but then also the future? What, what do you hope that you can accomplish here in our classrooms? A couple things. First, I, I want to send out students with excellent writing skills, both to my to my colleagues and to their their internships. That's that's hugely important to me, as I as I think I've made clear. I also think that I have the opportunity to let my students know about poverty law. I think that it's something that is perhaps not as prominent as as you said, criminal law. We don't really have for example, TV shows or, or podcasts about legal services and the need for legal services for, for low-income people, the way that we have crime and true crime podcasts. And that's something that I think is important for any attorney to understand, that there is this need, there are these barriers, and they may not all go on to be legal services attorneys, and that's, that's wonderful. But I think that those who go on to become judges, to become private attorneys, need to understand what these issues are and that they have a place as attorneys in ameliorating them. So that's those are a couple of things. I'm also very lucky in that I'm starting to do research uh, around poverty law and around a variety of topics around that. And I'm very much hoping that I can stay on long term and that I can see I can bring those projects to fruition. I'm having so much fun. I, I can't even tell you. Well, I will tell you, you've reached the part of the podcast where everybody has the most fun, and that's the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're changing up the questions here in the lightning round. We, we tend to go in spurts with our questions. First new one that we're probably going to bring to the table for a couple more guests. We get to be the first answer to this one. If you could live anywhere in the world, 
where would it be? Now you don't, you can say Albany. I mean, I think that's probably kind of the, the easy answer. <laughs> you just started with us here, but we'll say you get to work at Albany law, but you can live wherever you like. Well, so this was a really easy one for me to be honest with you, because my husband and I have a long-term plan to retire to Spain. <laughs> so, oh, great. yeah. So we're, and I just recently found out I might be eligible for Italian citizenship, which would make that a lot easier. We're, we're still in the process of looking at that, but, but truly we've been planning for some years now to retire to Granada when the time comes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) now I I saw on amongst the, the reams of research that we do for every podcast guest that somewhere in your past, your undergrad and your law school work was done at Notre Dame. Like, are we talking the Notre Dame, like golden Dome Notre Dame? Golden Dome, Fighting Irish, all of that. Absolutely. That that was that was where I went. Are you a big football fan or was it just something that happened? Um, a little of both. I mean, I really like college sports. I'm not a professional sports fan. I'm pretty segregated, if you will, in, in my sports, but I love college sports. I was actually in the marching band, so I saw oh, a lot cool. of football. Yeah, I was at the 1988 National Championship in, wearing the uniform. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> What'd you play in the in the band? Clarinet. Oh, great! So you've been on the field at Notre Dame Stadium. I have. They're having a rough year this year, though. Yeah, I'm trying to cut Coach Freeman some slack. You know, yeah. it's it's his first year. Last year was turbulent. Notre Dame's very good at breaking your heart at the end of the season, but they're still my team, and they will always be my team. I became a Notre Dame fan myself uh, through my mom, actually. My mom watched Good Morning America with Regis Philbin, and he was Mm -hmm. a big Notre Dame fan. So when I was a little kid, that's why I became a Notre Dame fan. And the game that broke my heart, I think was, uh, it 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 was 93. They beat Florida State, and then they lost to Boston College the next week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Last question here of the lightning round. And it's it's a simple question, but it, it gets a lot of different answers. So I find it really interesting. What's your favorite animal? It can be a pet. It doesn't have to be a pet, though. So I live with two cats, and they would be very upset with me if they were aware I'd said anything other than a cat. I, I don't know if you have cats yourself, but you know how they are. They, they, have, they have opinions. And one of mine is a Siamese, so she definitely has opinions. Um, <laughs> So, you know, my cats are my heart and they're my fur babies at the moment, but I also really like lemurs. Oh, nice. (laughs) Never would have guessed it. That's a great one. (laughs) Final question of the podcast. We always ask the same question at the end of, of the show. Is there anything you'd like to say to the Albany Law School community? I just want to say thank you. Um, I, I've, felt so welcomed by the, the faculty, by the staff, by, by people I knew before, by people I hadn't met before, by my students who are, you know, they understand it's my first semester. They're being wonderful. They're being, you know, occasionally I, I, I realize I need to retool something. They're being wonderful. I'm just as grateful as I can be to, to the community. So thank you. Well, Professor Esposito, thank you for coming on the Albany Law School podcast. We really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.